today on this episode of the People You Should Know podcast. Your identity is the infrastructure that gives life to your dream. People don't realize they go hand in hand. Your identity supports the dream of your heart. So when people have a dream and they get frustrated because they can't get there or they can't make sense of it or it seems so far removed from their present reality, that's typically because they don't understand who they are. And so once you begin to do the work of identity, once you begin to understand your personal scaffolding, right, your unique design and the way that you are hardwired, then your dream makes absolute sense. Because now you see the correlation and you see how one gives life to the other. And that is such a huge aha, because now you begin to function from a place of wholeness and you begin to step into that thing that brings you life because it was the thing that you were always designed to do. And I'm gonna Welcome stop. to the People You Should Know podcast. Telling the stories of people you should know and allowing their greatness to inspire everyday people. And now, here are your weekly hosts, Danny Ferry and David Farwell. Hey guys, welcome to the People You Should Know podcast. I'm your host, Danny Ferry, and alongside me, as always, is my co-host, David Farwell. Dave, the backdrop there is pretty amazing. Where are you at and how's your day going? I am inside of the studio that we have created for our project, Brax Token. It's pretty amazing. With a little space, we've created literally three separate backgrounds but personally, I kind of like dividing this background right here. It's it's kind of nice and, and doing well today. I'll tell you what, this is an exciting day for Axe Token. This is our first real kind of more of a magnanimous Axe of Kindness project, which is really built into our project overall. For those who don't remember, we mentioned before on a previous episode that 10% of everything that comes in from every transaction goes out from our project into Acts of Kindness. And so this year we have the huge privilege of partnering with the Salvation Army here in the Inland Empire area of California, where there are literally hundreds of children who are not going to have their wishes fulfilled through Angel Tree this year. And so we have a, a huge opportunity to take from what's already come in during our pre-sale and be able to fulfill every unfulfilled wish that's, that's still existing with the Salvation Army for this Christmas. The deadline for Angel Tree was yesterday, and so we're swooping in today, and uh, we're going to have a fun time going shopping for hundreds of children. We've got partnerships with U-Haul, Salvation Army, Walmart's actually letting us film in their store, which oh, is nice. totally rad. And we're going to have a blast with that. So the rest of my afternoon is filled with just doing some incredibly fun things for some amazing children here in the area. Man, that's <clears throat> that is really cool. I love that you guys are getting the opportunity to do that. And I know that we've talked about the acts of kindness. It's one of the, obviously the, the crypto and the NFT and all that stuff is really cool, but this right here is what it's all about. And it's really the heart behind why you guys did have done what you've done with acts, acts of kindness and guaranteeing that 10% of the transaction fees gets really tithed into Right. being able to, to love people in this way. So great job to everybody on the team. Let them know that like high fives all around from, from <laughs> me. Before we go any further, we have got to introduce our guest for today. And listen, before the episode started, I learned something completely new and awesome from, from Melody. And I found out that there are knitting podcasts. This is awesome. So Dave, well, let's talk about that first. Melody, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being on. It's, it's a pleasure to have you. 
Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to hang out with you too. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fun. You know, everybody comes on and feels maybe like a little bit nervous or whatever because it's a podcast, but we're pretty, we're pretty chill. So Melody, we were talking about these knitting podcasts, okay? And when I read this on your bio, it's, it's on your website, melodydowlearn.com. It's under the favorite things. I saw that you, that your current obsession was knitting podcasts. So as somebody who's a content creator, for me, I thought to myself, oh, you're putting together podcasts to like put out there, you know, for your brand. Much to my surprise and my pleasure, you were telling me that there is such a niche out there as knitting podcasts. So can you tell our listeners about these podcasts? Yeah, absolutely. So the podcasts that I follow are the ones that I'm currently obsessed with are from knitters that live abroad. So there's some I follow in London and in Paris, and they are designers, knitters who, you know, they, they talk to me from their apartment and they talk about what's going on in their world and they show me what they're making. And I don't know, I connect with them somehow yeah. because we're, we're different, but we're both knitters. And so that's our commonality. And yet I'm fascinated for some reason with their life and their world. And I get to kind of travel that way through those podcasts. Yeah. So that, that I mean, that, that's awesome. And I was telling you that, you know, I'm not somebody who obviously does any type of knitting. My, my children are getting into crocheting, yeah. but just thinking about listening to a knitting podcast in front of like a warm fire sounds super relaxing to me. Dave, like, what do you think, man? I don't have that same imagery, Danny, but I will say I'm really excited to, to text my, my oldest, our, my oldest child, our daughter's 15. And currently what I love about Emerson is that she, she's always had the desire to make every Christmas gift. She's done it since she was itty bitty. So obviously when she was younger, the presents weren't all that weren't all that great, but they were meaningful because they were from her. But over the last couple of years, I'm actually genuinely excited to see what she made for me because she's taken on, you know, crocheting, knitting, even like soldering, welding. Oh and she's gosh. making all kinds of like just amazing things. And so I'm really excited, Melody, for this new little gem that you shared with me. I can't wait to tell her about knitting podcasts. Had no clue that that existed. Yeah. I know it, it's awesome. So Melody is is a guest of Dave's. He's a per and she is a a person that he thought that we all needed to know. So Dave, I wanted to ask you to talk a little bit about Melody and to really give us the grand introduction on as to why you thought she was a person that we needed to know. Well, I, I've I've experienced Melody from a relative distance now for quite a while. We have some some common connections both through through a school called School of Kingdom, as well as just a, numerous friends across social media. And I had the privilege of actually hearing Melody speak at a conference this past August in Dallas. And one of the things that struck me most about Melody is that I don't I. It's been my opinion. I could be wrong, but it's been my opinion as I've as I've kind of just watched is that she's she's very passionate about what she does, but she doesn't take herself too seriously. There's there's this there's this this um, incredible genuineness about Melody where she's she's discovering and unearthing incredible things in her own life and therefore being able to do that for others. And then I watched my wife read her book. Hmm. And Melody, you don't know this, but I will tell you that the, the, what I witnessed in my own wife 
as she went through your book and the things that it unlocked for her in the midst of her journey, she was on the verge of so many things and your book served as, I mean, just like a whole set of keys that were handed to her and really unlocked that next level of living for her in her own truest identity. And so I have a great admiration for you, for what you do. I was very impressed with how you share about what you're doing, the things that you're starting, the way that you're continuing to, to expand the assignment that's on your life. And so with all that being said, there was when we were talking through people that we wanted others to know, because really the, the bottom line melody is we want the greatness in you to be inspiring to others, yep. because we believe that everyone has that in them. And we want to see them find their truest sense of purpose and their truest sense of living, whether that's through, you know, being an entrepreneur or doing whether it's even just within their family or whatever it may be, we want to see people rise up into their greatest potential. And so that's one of our, you know, kind of a, a, a secondary goal of this podcast. And so when we were thinking through, well, who should we have on? Who's somebody that others should know? It was a very easy yes to consider you as one of our guests. And so I'm very thrilled that you're here. Can't wait for the conversation that we're about to have. Wow. Thank you for that generous and kind intro, David. Man, I don't know what else to say. That was awesome. And I just, I just really appreciate your words. And yeah, I'm glad your wife loved the book because that was my heart. You know, everything that you just described was my heart in that book. And so thank you for that. Melody, we like to start off our show. We've, we've started doing this. We actually started doing this last week. And so I'm super interested to hear about your journey. But one of the things that we, we kind of like to do with our guests to kind of get a peek, kind of get like, you know, like a little peek into how, how maybe you're feeling about like culture and different things is we like to just take a, a story that we find on the internet and talk about it a little bit and just kind of, you know, do a little analysis on it. So I'm really, I'm really interested to, to hear your take on the story that we have found for this week. So just to give you a little preface of this last week, we talked about Elon Musk and what's been going on with Twitter and, you know, what we may, what we maybe are projecting to be his real motivation this week. I wanted to talk a little bit about like a comedian that I grew up with that had a really popular TV show as I was growing up that everybody watched, which was Tim Allen and Home Improvement. And so yesterday he kind of made a little bit of a stir talking about the world of comedy. So first thing I want to ask Melody is, are you a fan of, of comedy yourself? I am, but you know, now that you ask that, I, I'm sitting here thinking like, I don't know that I have followed any comedians or have been really, you know, well-versed in the, in the comedy world for quite some right. time. I was sitting here thinking about that as you were, you were speaking about Tim Allen. Yeah. And so that, that's, that's like super true. So I would have to say that my biggest influence of comedians would be like, would be like Seinfeld, right. Or like TV shows where comedians maybe played like different parts, you know, they were actors, but like, that's, the comedy that I've spent a lot of time, like I don't necessarily go to like comedy shows. I don't even necessarily want to watch like a stand up comedian. Although if somebody's good, they can kind of draw me in. Dave, what about you, man? Like wh what is your, what's your preference in comedy? My preference in comedy. Wow. I, I love when a comedian is intelligent enough 
to stay away from just being like like insanely vulgar and can still just be tremendously funny. I I actually do love comedians and since moving to California, it's been so amazing because it's way more accessible being just an hour from San Diego to see comedians live like all the time. And so I'm, I'm growing in the number of comedians that I genuinely enjoy. My favorite recently is a, a guy named Dustin Nickerson, who's just absolutely hilarious, but he lives here in San Diego. So, you know, it's cool. And, but I, I would probably be coming from the flip side of the conversation where I, I am a student of comedians, especially from a public speaking perspective. Gotcha. And I love their like delivery modes and kind of studying them and watching how they talk about things. Melody and I have a mutual friend in Brian Orm, who is just absolutely hilarious and a brilliant communicator. And I think that those go hand in hand, but that's kind of going in a different direction than Tim Allen's quote. <laughs> so let's, let's get back to that. But I, I am a huge fan of comedy. Yeah. Let me read this quote from this article. Tim Allen basically said, I got into this business because of my college attraction to Lenny Bruce. And eventually in late college, I saw Richard Pryor in concert and George Carlin. And he said, you never thought of what they were doing as infuriating people to make them laugh. <clears throat> so Dave, you said a little bit about like, obviously you're thinking Richard Pryor and George Carlin. They're not clean more than, you know, from what I've, what I've heard, you know, you could add like Eddie Murphy into, into the mix. They most definitely pressed the boundaries on what was socially acceptable during their time. Sure. And yet when they were doing it, people were okay with it because they understood that it was to draw a response and it was comedy. Mm -hmm. So I, I want to ask what you think about this quote with the understanding as to why they were doing the things they were doing. What's your thoughts on it? And then Melody, will, I'll uh, come to you and get your thoughts on that. Yeah, you know, I think more than anything, my response to the quote is a, an overall realization that I feel, I feel sad for the current state of our society where everything is a trigger, where people have seemed to have lost the ability to, to be introspective, to take something that's happened, something that makes them feel whatever it might be, whatever that emotion might be and, and take it inward and evaluate it. It's really sad for me that that's something that's disappeared from our society almost altogether. And, and yet at the same time, I also recognize that there's, there's the flip side of the coin, right? Where some of the things that they were saying, well, you know what, maybe, maybe you didn't have to say everything that you did just for the sake of getting a laugh. I, I can, I can kind of see both sides of the coin on this one, but I think the, the main thing that comes up for me is that genuine sadness for our society to not just be able to take things and evaluate them and not see everything as a personal affront. Yeah, Melody, to continue on with his quote right here, he actually says, it actually says that he went on to basically explain that more than likely these famous comedians wouldn't be able to tell their jokes in 2022. He says, nowadays, you know, I don't think they would be allowed to say that. So that's the saddest thing in the world to me that everything is okay as long as I'm not being offended. So I would just love your thoughts on this entire thing. Obviously, you know, knowing what you do, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, just What's your thoughts on this? And like, like, how can we approach comedy today with 
the state of culture and, and society? That's a great question, you know, and, and, and what you said, everyone being offended. And I think that's a, a key thing there is the level of offense. So in my line of work, I run into offense a lot. And, and we tend to think about, you know, offense being a byproduct of religion and something you see in the church space. But I'm going to argue that there is a religious spirit that is always offended and it's everywhere. It has nothing to do with church. It's, it's institutionalized. And mm. so what we're seeing now is, is just a massive widespread of offense and typically People who are highly offended don't have a strong sense of self because when you are secure in yourself and you are confident in who you are and you know who you are, you know, the stuff that maybe pushes the buttons or, you know, funny, but not really funny. Like you're trying yeah. not to laugh, but it's actually hysterical. You can laugh at those things because it doesn't really push your buttons because when you know who you are, right? When you are defined by something greater than the voices and the narrative around you that's constantly changing, then offense is really a non-issue. Offense comes into play when we are surrounded by this kind of collective thought narrative that we have to be careful, that we have to, somehow that we have confused honor and offense and tolerance. It gets really messy in the middle and yeah. we're all offended. Right? right. And you're never going to win that game. And, and I think we need to laugh. Honestly, if we could bring back some comedy, it might help some things. I'm just going to throw that out there. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a guru on the, on the topic, right. but I, you know, I think we would all appreciate a little comedy and if we could just take a deep collective breath and, you know, and move out of the space of that. If I laugh, I'm choosing a side. If I laugh, yeah. I'm, you know, wow. even the, the younger generation, like my, my oldest son, right? He's 26. I will say something funny sometimes and he'll say, mom, that's awful. I'm like, no, mm -hmm. I have a joke, <laughs> right? He's serious and I am too. <laughs> well, it's really interesting. I don't know if I'm going to be able to explain this right, but I remember when I was in college, I was reading this sociology book. I had to take the class. And one of the things that I was doing to describe laughter was it was literally saying, or to describe comedy and, and, and laughter together in society was that one of the reasons that comedy is funny is because it's actually, it's, it's depicting the real world in a way that really skews it to the point where we begin, that we laugh about it. Right. And so I, so I think that the issue might be is that like, we don't understand really what, what, what comedy is. The point of it is that we take the things of the real world and, and, and Tim Allen says later on, he says, you know, that's what comedy is. It's about overextending yourself. So people go like, wow, that's really weird. Right. And you just start laughing about it because you imagine things that maybe would never be possible or that would be really weird. And you just imagine it and it becomes extremely, extremely funny. And, and then you laugh about it. So very interesting. Melody, I would like to ask you, do you think that if, if society culture stays maybe on the, the track that we're on, that comedy is going to be one of those like things that we lose because of like the political correctness environment or however you want to call it. Do you think it's something that is like in, in its, in its past four, maybe, maybe on its way to extinction? Man, I hope not. That's a great question, but I feel like, you know, I, we're so polarized, right? And there's all these unspoken rules and there's all these things you don't want to do and, you know, to be politically correct, to not offend right. somebody, but yet at our core, we were designed for laughter. 
Like we were created for joy. It is part of our DNA. And so I can't believe that it would fully go away. It may be put into the closet for a time, but I believe that there is a generation. I am optimistic that will begin to just embrace laughter and joy and comedy and, and realize that, you know, we are more than our opinions and we are beyond our politics and we are much greater than the party with which we identify, right? the color of our skin, our zip code. And when we can begin to step back and see that we are so much more alike than we are different, maybe there'll mm-hmm. be some space for laughter and comedy again, but I don't think it can fully go away because it's part of our core being. Right. Dave, I'll give you the last the last word, the last thought maybe on this article and just this, this topic, and then we'll move into talking a little bit about Melody and her journey. Well, and speaking of Melody, I, you know, I would just have to say I couldn't agree with you more I really do hope I'm I'm an insufferable optimist. Danny knows this about me. It drives him crazy sometimes, and and, and that's okay, you know. I, but I would say, in addition, one of the things that was just kind of going through my mind, and this would be more for our, our our listeners, really, to to take in a, an extra evaluation, an encouragement for you out there as you're listening today to remember that that anger being triggered in in those ways is really a secondary emotion. It's, it's, it's a way that we choose to respond to protect ourselves. And so just an encouragement today, as you're going throughout your day, if you find yourself being stirred up in anger some way, right? For example, you're driving down the highway and somebody acts like a fool and it feels really dangerous, right? And so you get, you get angry about how they're driving. Well, if I'm being really vulnerable about that moment, I'm not angry. I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid because they put me and they put others in danger. And I think that if we were to just kind of reframe our emotions, sometimes we would recognize and we could actually be a more honest version of ourselves. And we could respond to the people around us, narrowing it back down to comedy. We could even respond in a moment during hearing something that maybe initially triggers us, take that in, recognize what it really is, that it's really not anger. Maybe, you know, maybe you're, you're afraid, maybe you're sad, maybe you're scared. There's so many things that it could be, Mm -hmm. but I would just encourage our listeners today to take this, this reality of what Tim Allen is saying, evaluate both sides of the coin on the actual topic but more so let this story be something that helps you to become a better version of yourself and begin to really evaluate your emotions in a different way and allow yourself to be a more genuine version to the people around you, or even if it's just how you're responding to a video that's coming across on your phone. So that would be how I would wrap up this portion of our conversation as we transition into talking specifically about Melody. Melody, again, thank you so much for being on our our podcast today. We really do believe that you are a person that people should know. And that's our whole our whole goal here is to introduce you to to people who may not already know who you are, to expand your audience and allow other people to be inspired by your story. So where we typically like to start is really on your origin. What was it like for you growing up? What was your what was your family story? Tell us a little bit about mom and dad and, and just what, what was what was life like growing up for Melody? 
You know, <laughs> our last name was actually Cleaver. I don't know if you were familiar with like, you know, Wally and the Beave and the Cleaver family, like old school there. <laughs> Some people have no idea what I'm talking about, but that was truly like my family growing up. You know, my mom stayed at home, had a very strong father who worked. He was an entrepreneur and he started his own company. And, you know, we, my, my uncle was the pastor at our church. And so we were there a lot very strong kind of, we were always at church, involved in church, you know, pretty solid upbringing, pretty normal childhood. You know, I have a great family, great parents, you know, pretty typical stuff, nothing super exciting there. I just remember, you know, <laughs> I was always kind of the free spirit of the family. And so a lot of jokes kind of made about that. And I turned into, you know, your typical textbook teenage rebel, because I had a very strong <laughs> kind of overbearing father. And I took after him. And so, you know, we, we butted heads and I got taken out of public school and high school and thrown into private school, private Christian school. And it didn't help much, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and so it got interesting, but, but, you know, I had a great childhood. I'm blessed to have great parents. So yeah, grateful for that for sure. So <clears throat> Melody, like, what did your parents do? You said you said your mom stayed home with you guys. Mm -hmm. you said your dad was an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So what we're gonna need to do, Dave, is we're gonna need to get like a little chime. Every time That's that we have a guest on who's an entrepreneur, we have a study going at this point, and we're a hundred percent. Everybody who's an entrepreneur had somebody, normally a parent, who is also an entrepreneur at this point. So we are. This is now a this is now a research experiment more than a podcast. <laughs> But yeah, what, I wanted, what I really wanted to know is what did your dad do in his, like in his, in his business? What kind of entrepreneurial like adventures was he on? So my dad, he, you know, he came from a very, very humble kind of upbringing and didn't have anything, you know, it was kind of on right. his own. And so he learned the electrical trade, right? So he went and got okay. all of his licenses and then he started a, a company. And I remember him having a day job, being very young and then coming home and doing his company. And so... At the time, he was trying to get commercial jobs in downtown Dallas, and I would ride with him as a little girl, and he would go back to work after dinner and work in the high-rises that make up the Dallas skyline, and I would sit in the buildings with him and pick up electrical parts and play with them. But he would build a very successful and a very large business you know, over kind of the course of me growing up, and just watching mm -hmm. him doing that and being involved and just his consistency and his focus you know, it, it spoke volumes to me, I think, even though we didn't really talk about it, right? The things you learn just by watching. And so it's, it's had a big impact on who I am today for sure. Yeah. That's one of the things that we always like to like ask is like, what were some of the things that like, and, and this is true for most people, right? You, it's not necessarily like you sit down and have like this, this is how you're going to be an entrepreneur someday, you know, son or daughter. It's more like, the subtle things that you, that you pick up. So can you talk a little bit more about some of the, like the subtle things that you saw your dad doing that maybe like stuck with you and you were, and, and like now you see in your life? Yes, absolutely. You know, the, probably the first thing was that he always stewarded his time. My dad is a great mm. steward and I, I learned stewardship. So he would always say, Melody, every man, no matter his color, no matter his age, no matter his, you know, income level, we all get the same 24 hours in a day. What are you going to do with them? And so he lived by that and he would always be, you know, at work the earliest, he would stay longer than any of his guys, his employees. And he just really just stewarded everything, whether it was his equipment. So a lot of jobs, they would charge for all the yep. electrical parts, but they throw them away. My dad, I would sit and separate all those electrical parts 
that came off the trucks and put them in little bins in our shop took hours because he would not throw away a thing. Right. Mm. So it was that stewardship. Right. And so, you know, and, and this, this went how he handled money, just everything that he did was how can I make do with what I have? How can we, you know, and so that just, I care. I mean, that still sticks with me today, even if it has nothing to do with my business. Right. And just how I operate. Also, he had a really high value for generosity. He was always, you know, taking care of his employees. He was always good to them. He paid them well. He was very generous at Christmas on birthdays. If he saw a need, he stepped in and just filled it quietly. And so I just saw that. And that was one of those things that I always attributed to his success. Even as a young girl, I could see the connection there. Yeah, that's, that's really awesome. And it is also something that we have seen play out in our story of entrepreneurship is that this, this, this value of generosity has been really prevalent throughout our discussions with, with a lot of, a lot of our guests. So let's talk about mom for a little bit, right? So she's, she's at home. Tell me a little bit, like I I relate to this because, you know, my wife, she stays at home with our, with our children. We love it. She's able to nurture them and love them and give them really direct attention and so tell me a little bit about mom and some values that maybe you learned from her as you were growing up. Yeah, my mom had a real high value for fun. And so, oh, nice. you know, my dad was serious. He was focused. If you're familiar with the disc scale, like he's a D and a C, right? My mom is an I and we're going to make it fun. And, you know, she saw the details and we didn't always have a lot of money. You know, for most of my childhood, we didn't. And yet she could turn nothing into something. She was, had a high value for memories, for creating memories, celebrations, traditions. And so she was nurturing, right? She was there. She was available. You could always count on mom. You know, dad might be busy working and that's great. But mom was always there just to really impart a sense of family. Um, Mm -hmm. to make sure, you know, she would make sure my dad took off a week of work and we were going on family vacation. Even if it was just an hour away to a city, he had to put down the work for a week and we were going to go be a family. And if we Mm. may just play card games in a hotel, but it was a vacation, (laughs) right? And so maybe we did some free hiking, but she was just really genius at creating opportunities and just making memories for us to be a family. And her value of that kind of balanced my dad's uh, high value of productivity. <laughs> so that counterbalance worked well. Yeah. I, the final question I want to ask on this, if there, as we talked about your parents, if there's one value, if you can only pick one that's kind of, that you see within your business, you know, with the Identity Academy, with the work that you do, what is one value that you just feel like has really shined through maybe something that mom and dad had maybe done or that you've seen and you, and like, you've noticed, Hey, Like, I really see this a lot and I, like, maybe it even surprised you a little bit. Like, I can't believe how much this is kind of shining through in my own venture here with the Identity Academy. That's a great question. You know, I think, gosh, it's, if I had to pick one, I would say (laughs) probably the tenacity of my father. Yeah. Just to keep going and keep giving it a hundred percent, even when you don't always see the fruit of that, because eventually that you will. And so... There are moments, you know, like, like in any entrepreneur's right journey, there are moments when you are questioning your sanity and you're thinking, okay, I I know I heard correct. I know this is where I'm supposed to be, right? We all have those moments. And so I, I really believe that it was just watching my father just be so tenacious and so perseverant through the hard times and the good times, right? And knowing that this is where you're supposed to be and just 
keep moving forward, keep looking forward, keep looking forward. And so that's, yeah. that's something that I see a lot. That's been a big key to my success. Well, that's, that's incredible. And, and speaks volumes upon volumes of many, many aspects of your journey. One of the things we really love to ask our, our guests, Melody, is to get a little bit of a background because a lot of times the thing that someone is currently doing is not the thing that they've always done. And that's been, you know, most, <laughs> most entrepreneurial journeys. This is why I, I bring this, this mug on every time, experience, <laughs> fail, learn, repeat. And it's, it's really, you know, a part of the necessary journey. So tell us a little bit about what's your, what's your entrepreneurial business journey been like prior to what you're doing now? Okay. Well, you know, it was non-existent. <laughs> it was always inside of me, but it, ah, the seasons nice. of my life have just dictated sometimes out of necessity. You know, I, I wasn't in a place where I could, we needed my income because my husband was on his journey. Right. And so, or I, I, I homeschooled for 10 years. And so there was these pieces in these seasons that were necessary and they were valuable and I embraced them, but no, it hasn't. I taught high school for 10 years and, and that was out of necessity because I was a single mom prior to that, you know, and I was working at an insurance job at a college where I argued with attorneys all day. I loved that job, by the way, I wanted to go to law school because <laughs> I love to win arguments, you know, I have a high value for challenge. And, and so I, but I wanted more time with my son. You know, and not, I mean, that, that job. And so I thought, you know what? I'm fluent in Spanish. I can be a Spanish teacher. So I did. They hired me on and then I took that, you know. So there were seasons that were not all just about me. And, and I just want to encourage anybody who's listening. I know a lot of people sometimes get frustrated because they want to fast forward. If I can get there, if I could rush through this, don't rush. Because every, your current season is actually equipping you it's part of your process and it just lends itself to the overall success when you get into that place. Right. And, and obviously there's strategies and there's ways to start things small, but I am, I don't regret any season prior to what I'm doing now. Wow. Really well said. You know, I think that we've all heard somebody at least say some version of never despise small beginnings, right? All these things that get just rooted and planted in us as we go through our journey. That was incredible. Uh, just an incredible deposit into this conversation, Melody. Thank you for sharing that with, with us, with our listeners. This reminds me of my own journey and this is sitting back going like, okay, you know what? I, it, it, it just gave me pause for just a second, just to practice gratitude and go like, wow, instead of looking at my past and, and wishing things had happened quicker or sooner or better or whatever it may have been, just to look at it and say, wow, God, thank you. Thank you for just allowing what that season of my life did to my character or what it shaped in me or so that was that was really well said and i really appreciate you sharing that so you you wow because you you worked with with a with a law firm you taught high school that's very brave by the way and <laughs> and you you did homeschooling during that season what what do you now recognize was beginning to take shape in you that lends itself to what you're doing now. That's great. So I remember very specifically teaching high school, right? 
let's just be real. Nobody cares about conjugating Spanish verbs. So when, <laughs> when I, you know, I taught in rural schools where I worked with migrant farmers, children, and then I taught here in a very large 5A here in Amarillo, where I would have kids on parole, kids on trial, kids who mm -hmm. were living on the streets and kids who were dri driving Land Rovers, 45 students, all in the same class, different needs and backgrounds. And wow. what I what was honed in me and what I, I can see now looking back is I learned how to relate to a very diverse audience simultaneously. My communication skills were honed in a way they had never been, you know, they were so challenged. And I also learned to call out identity. I learned I had a gift. I learned I could see into my, I always knew it to some extent, but you know what, if kids don't want to do Spanish, let's just flip and talk about them, talk about their dreams, talk about what's inside mm -hmm. of them. You would have 45 kids engaged regardless of their background. And so I really began to kind of cut my teeth on helping people begin to discover who they are and engage with that at a practical level. And so I spent a lot of time in the classroom actually talking about identity, even though I wasn't using that language, just to, you know, engage my students and, and leave them with something that would, they could carry with them for the rest of their lives outside of, you know, Spanish verbs. <laughs> One of the things, Melody, that I just wanted to touch on in this specific section here is on your website, there's this one little section, a phrase of a sentence that says that, that you love to take revelatory knowledge and make it practical for immediate application. Yes. And I, I love that. I wanted to ask you, is that one of the, is the thing that kind of you're talking about, were you beginning to discover this ability to be able to do that during this time as you were in like kind of teaching in high school that, that you had this gift to be able to do that. Yes, absolutely. Because what I realized, and I have a high value for practicality, but when we're trying to give people information, information's not helpful. And I realized as a teacher, standing up in front of a room of so many needs, so many, there were so many problems represented, right? For 45 minutes, bell after bell. Right. What could I give these students? today in real time that would maybe impact their afternoon, maybe would impact how they engage with their family. What were strategies? Because the truth of the matter was half these kids would, they're not going to remember the information about Spanish or whatever I was teaching. Like that was good to a certain point, but that's not life-changing. What were strategies that I could equip them with that would have real-time impact? Yeah, I think that's super important. You know, it's funny. It's I have, a, I have a question I wanted to ask you that is kind of off the wall, but I think it's super important. You were talking a little bit earlier about gratitude, like David, like Dave said about like gratitude, and and even maybe as you're going through the journey. So I can't help it. I have this thought in my head, and Melody, I would love to get your take on this. Do you ever have one of those days where like you have all this stuff planned out in your day, and you get absolutely none of it done, like? One thing after another, things out of your control, and you just get done with the day and you feel totally frustrated, right? You're like, I got nothing accomplished. What's your what's your take on a day like that? Like, how are you able to keep that that attitude of like, because for somebody like me, I'm very much, you know, productivity driven. And one of the things, I've, I've learned some things about those days and I've had a couple of them more recently, but I'd just love to hear your take about those days where you, like, the things you want to get done, you don't get done, but like all these other really cool things happen in the day that kind of take you away from those moments. Yeah, that's, gosh, that's a great question. And where I learned this was when I moved from teaching in the high school classroom to homeschooling. 
there's no, you cannot really quantify your results, yeah, right? Yeah. Like I can't measure my results. W what did I do today? Well, I did a lot of cool things, but I, I couldn't measure them. Like I couldn't. And so that was a frustration. And so what I would speak to that is we have to kind of step back and redefine what productivity is. Yeah. Right. And so when I have those days and I still have those days, sometimes I just take a few minutes while I'm knitting or I go for a walk you know, or just lay down and throw my feet on the wall. And I think about, okay, I got nothing done on the to-do list. <laughs> Not one thing. So let's yep. just let that go. And let me reflect and think about what did, what was I doing? Like really what, what was happening today? And just begin to find the value, right? And begin to reframe the, the, all those things that happened that weren't on the to-do list, but begin to reframe them as valuable, as still productive, as still meaningful, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's just, it's just taking that moment, especially with our type, right? Because yeah. we want those measurable results that we can say we crossed this off the list. But how do we just step back and honor what happened? And then also realizing that maybe there was a reason. Maybe what we ended up right. doing actually had more value or what was more important than what we planned and just be open to what I call divine interruptions because they yeah. happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's okay. So that's, that's something that I've kind of learned, but I, I just like, I almost need like that affirmation. So I wanted to get your, I wanted to get your thought on it because there are days, right? So I run a digital marketing agency and there are days where I like have like things I know I need to get done. And one of the things that I've been running into a lot personally is, you know, I have these things I need to get done, but then during the day, there's all these like relational interruptions is what I'm going to call them. People that want, want my time, people that want to have a conversation. And I'm, I, I get done at the end of the day. I have these things I want to get done and I get maybe like one or two of them done. And I've just got to the end of the day and I thought to myself, the real value in this day are the relationships, you know, the work, yeah, the work's there but it's these relationships that I've been building with people to the fact that they feel like they can want, they want to come talk to me or, or, you know, get my advice or, you know, come seek counsel or something like that. And it's just been a really interesting season. So thanks for sharing about that. I want to encourage anybody who is listening. If, if you're finding that or you're having that happen, don't look at it necessarily as a negative in that, that, that it's happening. Try like, like Melody said, find the positive because a lot like there's a reason there's that divine interruption sometimes that ends up being a client for me down the road right like hey he took the time out of his day to actually talk to me and consider me sometimes it's just a relationship that ends up having long-term benefits and fulfillment in my life and that's exactly what what god wants for me so I just, I wanted to talk about that a little bit. I think that's one of those cool things that I've been learning about. So let's talk a little bit about starting the Identity Academy. Obviously, this is something that you've been, you were growing in mm -hmm. and you were, you were kind of figuring out, hey, I, I'm, I like to take revelatory knowledge. So what was kind of that first step? Was there somebody who encouraged you like, you, hey, you should do this? Um, how did that all start? Good question. So before the Identity Academy, I had founded Tridentity Coaching and Consulting. So I had a coaching practice and a consulting practice where I worked with organizations and individuals, right? But what I realized after about the second year of that is that I have such a high value for impact. And one-on-one and, and -on -one is great, but I want to reach more than one-on-one. -on -one. And so that is kind of how the Identity Academy was born. Mm -hmm. I want to create, and I'm still creating, right, a platform where people can come and get 
you know, information, courses, strategy. I still work with people one-on-one, -on -one, but mm -hmm. this is now available. It's more accessible and it's more convenient. And so that's kind of where that was born from, just impact reaching more people. And so, mm -hmm. and, and, and being able to put tools in real time in the hands of those who need it. And so they're not just waiting on me, you know, when, when do you have a free time? When do you have an opening? And so that's kind of, it segued from a kind of a, a coaching practice into, I did a lot of live workshops and I still do sometimes, but just really trying to get it again, as available and as accessible as possible. Yeah. So as you, yeah, I, now I've, I've read your book as well. And so one of the things that I, I've always been curious about when, when it comes to your journey, just with you know, the book and, and where you're you know, heading now with everything that you're building, what was it like for you when you, when you first said, you know what, I'm going to be intentional about identity. You, you, know, you had perceptions and, and rea realities. You could see people well, and you could speak out the truth of who they were, but how did it start to change for you where you said, you know, I really want to make this something where I can put tools and resources in people's hands. What was that part of your journey like, and how did that form you in, in realizing what it could become? You know, that's, gosh, that's a great question. And I'm thinking back, you know, I realized when I, when I went and got my, when I went through coaching school and I knew I wanted to help people, right? I don't think I fully connected the fact that I would be helping people in identity. So what happened was I was a health coach. Mm -hmm. I'm an ultra runner. I've had a trail running podcast, right? I kind of came into that space, but what happened is that the conversation always ended up around identity, right? And so no one even wanted to talk about health stuff. No one wanted to talk about any of those things. They would say, can we talk about these? I, I know I hired you for this and I know, but can we, can we shift? This is really interesting. And I've not heard anyone else speak mm. on this. I, I don't, I don't know about this. And so I begin to kind of see, you know, one thing that you're, you should always pay attention to, this is a practical strategy. How do people connect to you? Why are people mm. drawn to you? What is the conversation people want to have with you? Right. And so that's a kind of a big clue. And so that's what was happening. And it just dawned on me one day. I thought, well, Melody, why don't you just do, just go for it. Just change everything that you've built, just shift, just try it out. And so that's mm. when I began creating the curriculum and the, the, the courses and, you know, the, all the stuff I just began to build it out and, and threw it out there. And, you know, it, it seemed to land well, but it was definitely kind of a, I had no intention of doing that in 2018 and 2017. Didn't even cross my, like, I knew I carried a gift for it, but it was compartmentalized in another box. Okay. Yeah. I think that's incredibly valuable. And I, I want to just make sure to point out in case, in case it flew by people, that's something that you said, Melody, and, and that was pay attention to how people are re responding to you, how they want to respond to you. I think most people enter into conversations day in and day out, wanting to tell people how to respond to them, saying, this is me, so treat me this way and respond to me this way. And there's not nece necessarily anything wrong with that. And so we take the time to slow down and realize, wait a minute, I, I might have a good idea here. I might have something I really want to do for people but what's the point if that's not really what they want from me? Yes. 
And so I, I love that about your journey. I love that that's something I'm so glad that when I asked that question, that that's what you brought up, because I think it's just mm -hmm. incredibly valuable that you had this thing that was successful and good and, and, and you were good at it and you could truly help people, but that really didn't matter in the end, right? Mm -hmm. What mattered more was what, what were people seeking? What were people going after? So thank you so much for sharing that. Hey, Melody, I have a question for you. So as you were, I love what Dave reiterated there. It caught my attention as soon as you said it. Can you just tell us a little bit about in your own evaluation, what you were noticing about how maybe people were responding to you? Like, like what were some of, I'm sure this can be good and bad, right? It can be like encouraging and it could also be like, oh man, I have some deficiencies. Can you talk a little bit about some of the fun things that maybe you were noticing about the way that people were responding to you. Like for me, I would almost make it a game, I think. Once I get to that level almost of awareness where it's like, how can I make people respond to me in you know weird ways, you know what I mean? So can you talk just a little bit about what you were seeing and maybe some of the things that you realized about yourself that even changes maybe that you needed to make or things that needed to be worked on to begin to see the response be what you wanted? Yeah, absolutely. So there's, there's two questions there. So when I first part, you know, when I'm, when I was working with people in a health context, okay, the conversation, the questions that would come from them when we were working one-on-one, -on -one, they would always turn into, well, you know, why do you think I do this? Or what do you, you know, we would always end right. up in this conversation of their weaknesses, their strengths, their natural tendencies, right? What their dreams I don't know how, but the conversation always landed there. And I would try to bring it back in, but they would keep, no, they wanted to go there once I opened that door. And so, mm -hmm. and I'd be like, oh, but I, we haven't got to the health stuff. So this happened over and over so much so that even when I took people on as health clients, I began to know you're going to have to find some way to give them the information there because this is not where, and I would try. And yet the conversation, I, it just when because what I carry was unlocking something in them and they couldn't ignore it. Right. It, you right. can't deny what spills out of you. Right. And so I just had to be flexible. And this is a, this is a key, you know, sometimes people overanalyze and so they don't start. What right. I would say to that is start with what, you know, do the best with what you have in your hand right now, because clarity comes when you step out, you're never going to get the clarity, right? Exactly what your niche is or who your people are until you just get out there and start and you'll find out very quickly. And so I began to realize, okay, this is, this is how people, this is what they want from me. I have to be flexible and I have to, to change. And then secondly, what I had to work on was I tend to have a pre, I know what it's going to look like, right? I can give you all the details and I build it to a certain way to very precise measurements. And I've learned not to do that so hard because you spend a lot of time, energy, and effort that you have to back out of sometimes because it's mm. don't overdo it in the beginning because you're going to change and you're not, you're going to pivot and you're not going to be where you thought you were. So, you know, don't build it so tight. Don't build the ship so tightly. You can't steer it. Mm. Wow. So again, I've got to go back for everyone because this is like, like gold flying in here. Okay. So Melody said, you know, start with what you have, right? Like move forward with what you know, because you're really not going to get the clarity that you need until you actually start moving. 
And I love this. This is actually one of the things that I do for people all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm a catalyst and I love kind of pushing people into that moment and just giving them the courage to, to move forward with something. And Danny, I remember your journey. I remember us disassembling lights off the ceiling of a church that we were moving over to, to another building. And we got into this conversation about what you really wanted to do. And, and, and we almost left that, that conversation. I mean, we were there a long time taking care of those lights, right? but I, I just remember leaving that, that conversation that night with this reality, you were about to, you were about to step out into something pretty new, pretty bold. I think it'd be a good time for you to share just briefly how, how much your story correlates to what Melody just shared. Yeah, absolutely. And as you're just talking about this, I'm having, I'm having mental flashbacks to all these little moments of clarity. So for anybody who's never heard my, my story, first of all, I would invite you to come have a cup of coffee with me. If you're in the York area, I'd love to have a cup of coffee and tell you about it. But I just, I just knew that I was, that, that I wasn't, I wasn't doing the thing that I was passionate about doing and I wasn't happy. Yes, I went to school. Yes, I went and got a degree to do something. I could have probably stayed in that for the rest of my life and, and hit all the checkbox of what the world would say makes you a responsible adult. But at the end of the day, like the passion that was inside of me was not being fulfilled. Like I was not doing what I thought I was created to be doing. And so Dave and I just had a simple conversation. It was like, hey, what do you like to do? And I said, I've always really enjoyed doing website design and, and working in the digital, you know, in the digital space. And he basically said, well, I don't have a website for you to design, but here's a, here's a PDF file, right? From, a, from another church, they can't get it to work the way they want it to. And I think they'll probably give you a little bit of, they'll pay you to be able to do it. And I was like, wait, somebody will pay you to do this? And I'm like, that's kind of crazy, you know? But it was a moment of clarity, like, holy cow, I can, I have a lot of skills and a lot of talents that like I'm not using and, and you know, using and, and providing a service for people. And, you know, one, one thing led to another and ended up, you know, developing and creating this website design agency that's now turned into a digital marketing agency, really. And website design is a piece of it. But there have been like these little moments along the way. That first moment, Dave, was definitely when me and you had that conversation. And what's really weird about it, and Melody, you had talked about this too. There's these times when you just like know that you're supposed to do something and maybe you, it doesn't make sense to anybody else, but it's like with 100% conviction, this is the right thing. And then in, in that moment, when I left there that night, it was like, this is happening. Didn't know what the journey was going to look like. Didn't know what the path was going to look like, but it was going to happen. One of the other times, Dave, that I remember me and you having a conversation, a moment of clarity was <clears throat> in the mornings, I would be driving to work. Dave and I did a lot of ministry together. And so we would be talking about different things, ministry related. And I just very simply said to him, and, and it was like, almost like, I was committing a cardinal sin by making the statement, but I was like, what if I stopped working here? You know, just what if I stopped doing this and like stepped out? And that was like such a moment of clarity. It's, it's something that still, I, I remember that day very clearly, like entertaining that idea for the very first time, you know, was, was like clarify, like what, you know, because in that moment, as I even imagined not doing that, I remember feeling like almost like this tremendous weight fell off of my shoulders. Like, and it was in that moment, I was like, I know that's going to happen at some point. I don't know when, but I know that, that that day's coming. 
So I love this whole this whole conversation. I could I could talk a lot more about it, but there are just these moments that and you know I started with very little. I just started doing one thing. I didn't know what it would eventually turn into, but going step by step, piece by piece, gaining clarity along the way has allowed me to get to where I'm at today. Where now we're not just doing website design; we're providing other services. I have people that work for me on the team, and it's like. If I look back and I'm like, how did all that happen? I'm like, just one step at a time, just gaining clarity, falling and making a mistake, but then coming back and realizing what the mistake was and then doing it the right way the next time. So it's been a really cool journey. I 100% Melody, and it's been about finding my identity more than anything else. I know more about who I am today than I ever would have known if I just kind of followed that other pathway. That other path would have been safer, but but coming down this path has grown me and stretched me and has been absolutely incredible for me to understanding my identity and the person that God made me to be. Yeah, for sure. So good. Sorry, sorry Molly, go ahead. No, I just, yeah, you know, you're getting on my 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 passion topic here, but you know, <laughs> I just want to, because you, you shared that, you know, and I, I just want to reiterate here, your identity is the infrastructure that gives life to your dream. People don't realize they go hand in hand. Your identity supports the dream of your heart. So when people have a dream and they get frustrated because they can't get there or they can't make sense of it, or it seems so far removed from their present reality, that's typically because they don't understand who they are. And so once you begin to do the work of identity, once you begin to understand your personal scaffolding, right, your unique design and the way that you are hardwired, then your dream makes absolute sense because now you see the correlation and you see how one gives life to the other. And that is such a huge aha because now you begin to function from a place of wholeness and you begin to step into that thing that brings you life because it was the thing that you were always designed to do. And I'm going to stop on that because guys, I could get started right here. <laughs> Hey, I cannot, can I ask one quick follow-up question is because I think it's a key component of this. And um, can you tell me, and I'm asking this more for the benefit of the audience because I've, I've had to walk through this during, during the season two. Can you tell me the importance of emotional intelligence in connection with understanding your identity? Because I think for me, it was one of the biggest breakthroughs that I had to have in order to understand my identity. Absolutely. You know, emotional intelligence, I cannot... Gosh, if I could bold it, underline it, italicize it, large font. Emotions are the number one barrier to understanding and engaging identity, right? And so, you know, we often look at emotions. Well, I, I, I could go on, but no, emotional intelligence, you have to deal with your emotions to be able to fully realize your identity because more often than not, we are defined by our emotions. We are not defined by who we are. And so if our emotions define us, right? If we are reacting mm -hmm. rather than responding. So you can react out of emotion or respond in the truth of who you are. The one that is dominant will determine your future. And so a lot yeah. of people don't, they get frustrated because they feel like they can't move forward. They feel like they can't be who they're called to be. Like they have the knowledge of it, but they can't step into it, right? The theory mm -hmm. of it is great. The reality is the reality is not happening. The reason why that's going on, if you're in that weird tension, you need to do some emotional work. It's your emotions. You're not properly aligned with them. You're not, you don't have a correct relationship with your emotions and they become a hindrance rather than a help because your emotions were designed to serve you. 
you don't submit right. to them. And so that is, that's a whole nother podcast episode. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It really is. Yeah. They're coming back, question. Melody. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> yeah. One of the things I will just, I'll step into here just to share a little bit. I, I really just want to like give credence to what you're saying is, and I've, I've said this a lot to people since I've walked through my journey that I was an emotional infant. Like I was like a two-year-old who still couldn't talk. And I was frustrated because I didn't understand my emotion. And me and my wife talk about this a lot because it's been a great building block in our marriage. When I had this breakthrough is like, whenever I was feeling some way, it just always came off as anger. I wasn't angry all the time. I just couldn't, I was angry because I couldn't communicate just like, just like an infant, if they can't talk and they want to talk, can't communicate. So understanding like the, my emotional, I can identify emotions now and say things like, this is really annoying me. I'm not angry about it. I'm just annoyed. Like to be able to actually understand your emotions, identify them for me has been something where then I can take where that then I can let my identity rule over my emotions rather than just be angry. And because I'm so angry, cause I can't communicate my emotions, that kind of rules the day because I'm just generally frustrated. Yes. <sighs> I'm trying to figure out how to transition <laughs> from this because it, it feels like we shouldn't. And yet at the same time, I, I do want you know, to honor your time, Melody. Thank you for being on with us. We have one more section that we really do like to cover, and that's talking about networking. Both Danny and I recognize the value of, of networking in our own own journeys, you know, through entrepreneurship and, and business. And so we'd love for you to just take a second and, and, and walk us through what, what role has networking played in your business, especially as you got started, as you went through the journey of becoming an author, anywhere that where you'd like to, to start that conversation is fine, but just tell us what role networking has played in your journey. Absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm typically a lone wolf, right? Which, you know, is not healthy and it's not what we were created for community, but I had kind of always denied that most of my life. And then about six years ago, I was, I met a man by the name of Dub Alexander, who's a huge networker. And it just opened me up to a ton of people. And I began to see as I'm an observer. And so, and I learn a lot by watching people. And I began to see the power of networking and the power of community and, and not just the power of it, but it's really a lot of fun to meet cool yeah. people. It's really a lot of fun to build relationships with healthy, successful people who share, maybe not your vision, but you're all trying to get somewhere together. And what kind of the biggest takeaway for me for the last five or six years, really stepping out and opening myself up to networking is that there are always other people who have what you don't. And I have realized that in the power of community, of healthy community, I am much more stronger, I am more effective, and I can do my part better when I am surrounded by those who have what I don't have, who can connect me to somebody who has what I'm missing. And so it has just been a really, honestly, an interesting experience for me over the last five years to network and, and the people that I have met and the people that I am able to help and the people who call me, hey, we met three years ago. Would you like, oh my goodness, yes. And that doesn't happen unless you put yourself out there. That happens through relationship 
having a value for relationship. You know, we were talking about that earlier. You know, when your day falls apart and you have a relational day, you know, and you feel like sometimes Moses running an adult daycare, <laughs> what are we doing? No, you know, it, it, I have learned people. Sometimes that is the voice you need to hear is somebody else's voice. It's somebody else's perspective. It's where somebody else is positioned and sharing what you have, but also being able to receive from a powerful mm -hmm. community through networking has just, I feel like it's been a big part of my success. And especially with the book, especially with the Academy and I, goodness, I'm just grateful for the community I have around me and for those that I've been able to connect with. Yeah, absolutely. Networking is such an interesting, interesting aspect to growing business, really honestly, just growing in life. So we could, we could separate it entirely and just say it's good life skill. But in the reality of business, one of the things I think that is really important to distinguish is that networking is not, it's, it's not a stream that only runs one way, right? That it runs in both directions. And so I would love as, as you, as you went through your journey, you learned from Dub, who is just an insane networker, one of the best that I know. <clears throat> as he's gone through and, and you've learned from him and you've seen the value of that, how have you also been able to then turn, help other people through that same networking as much as you benefited? Tell us a story about how you were able to benefit another person. Absolutely. So one thing that I've watched and observed that Dub does so well is that he extends his platform and he leverages, right, his position for the benefit of others and to help others. And so that always impacted me. And so when I got into a place where I had a platform that had a following, you know, I've been able to reach out to other entrepreneurs or people who are starting something and say, how can I partner with you? How can I bring you on? How can I help you? And, and I've been able to do that for a few people in a, in a way that I feel like is, and they feel like it's really has helped them. And so their takeaway is now, you know what, Melody, I really appreciated when you did that for me, that made a huge impact, you know, that really connected me, that helped me get into this place. I'm going to now do that for those that I see starting out. And that's just as that's the power of networking. And I think when we come into it with there a place of honor and without selflessness, obviously being wise, you know, and, 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 and <laughs> yeah. using some discretion, but you know, just sharing what you have to the benefit of others. And I think that's the coolest thing. Melody, I wanted you to touch on <clears throat> just real quick. This is not for con like to condemn anybody because honestly, as Dave and I have talked about, there was a point in time when I used to make fun of him for how often he was meeting with people. And there's a lot of similarities, Melody, between me and you just personality wise. And then also kind of being more like the lone wolf, right? Like I'm a I'm an only child. I, I grew up not having any siblings, kind of just did it on my own. But what would you, how would you encourage people who maybe try to steer away from networking or try to like, don't think it's necessary. Just think it's like, you know, just this extra activity. Like, how would you just encourage them to say, like, once you, once you enter into doing it and once you really commit yourself to it, it's going to totally change your life. Yes. Excellent. Excellent question. A very wise man once told me, you will never get to where you're going alone. When he told me that in my head, I thought that does not apply to me. You don't know who I am. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I make things happen, right? 
But, you know, over the last five years, he's absolutely right. I was absolutely wrong because I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, had I not opened myself to networking, had I not opened myself to connecting with others and to seeing the value and what others carried and to being honest about where I fell short, had I not done that, there's no way that I would be where I am right now. I attribute almost, not 100%, right? Because you have to get in there and do the thing. But I would say a large percentage yeah. of the success that I have had in the past few years has been because of networking and building communities with others. I mean, that's spot on. I've experienced that myself in networking. <laughs> it's the reason we have this podcast is to encourage people to, to network. One of the things that we've said from day one was the reason we did this podcast. You're watching on Spotify. You'll read it in our description. We believe that it requires people to unlock your greatest potential. It, it's people that help you to unlock your greatest potential. Melody has legitimately affirmed that throughout this entire episode, which I think has been amazing. I'm actually thinking about just leaving the show now, let Melody take over for me because she's been doing this for longer and she could probably do better. Welcome um, to your new podcast, Melody. Yeah, welcome to your new podcast, <laughs> Melody. But no, seriously, Melody, can you tell people how they can find you online, socials, ways that people can connect? Also, please take some time, promote your book. Tell us about your book a little bit. We, we want to know how people can connect with you, connect with the things that you're doing and take as long as you need. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. You can find me at melodydowlearn.com, my website. All of the links are there. You can get to the Identity Academy through there. And I'm on, you know, Twitter. It's a sad little Twitter feed, but Instagram and Facebook, <laughs> Melody Dowlearn, I'm there as well. And, and then my book is available on amazon.com. There's other places, but Amazon's probably the easiest place to find it, Kingdom Identity. And so, yeah, it's a super easy read. It's not, I wrote it so it would be easy to read, easy to digest. And I've, I've heard that it's, it's pretty quick read. So it's not anything too heavy. And you know, if you're, if you're in that place where you're kind of stuck between the tension of your dream and the reality, and you're in a place of frustration, or you're like, I don't even have a dream and all these, other, this book is for you. This book is for you, or maybe you've hit a dead end. And so it just kind of helps you reevaluate some things and possibly rediscover some things that maybe you didn't even know to be true about yourself. So I would encourage, it's on sale right now, $9.99. So pick up a copy. Oh, nice. Makes a great stocking stuffer. And then be looking out because we are going to have some classes live coming at the end of January to help your children with identity. So I am so excited. I've had a lot of requests for this, just equipping our children and helping them win the war on identity. And so be looking out for that because it's coming. The details will be up in the next week or so. And, and people can find those details on your website? Yes, MelodyDowlin.com. Perfect. Absolutely. All right. So I got one final question okay. for you coming from your website. When are you going to make your way to Colorado? Because it, it says here one day... <laughs> you will live in Colorado. So how close are you to that dream? Hopefully just a few years away. I would already be there, but my husband has this thing called a job here in Texas. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, we, nice. we get up there every chance that we can and I'm slowly asking the Lord, like, what, 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 what do I need to do? <laughs> yeah. How can I partner with you more effectively in this, in this, in this way? But no, my, I love Texas. I am proud to be a Texan, but my goodness, Colorado has my heart. Oh, that's awesome. Mm. 
Dave, do you have any final thoughts here before we let Melody go? Melody, it's always a, a, a just a treasure for us when we have a suspicion or, or an idea that one of our guests is going to come on and just really truly exemplify the the idea of this is a person you should know. And I just I just want to take a second and both commend you for the journey that you've been on, the way that you continue to lead yourself and allow yourself to be led through this journey, inspiring others, continuing to be a learner, developing even greater ways in which you can help people in this I, this identity area, which is just so incredibly crucial. And so one, I just wanna commend you for who you are and how you lead the life that you live. And secondly, just a huge thank you because what you've brought today to our listeners, even if the only two people that ever hear this are just me and Danny, you have been tremendously helpful to us. And I know to the countless others who will listen to this podcast. And so we just wanna thank you so much for everything that you deposited, blessings and success on everything that you have planned and a shameless plug, honestly, it's it's such an easy thing to say. Go out, that book's $9.99 right now, go out, buy two, buy one for yourself and buy one to give to somebody else. It will be something that will not just bless your life, but will most likely stir up a, a new reality and, and a way that you can walk in greater confidence of who you are. Melody Dowlern is somebody that you should know. Thank you for being on today. Thank you guys. Thanks for joining us this week on the People You Should Know podcast. A very special thank you to today's guests for sharing their journey with us. If you have been listening to the podcast and have really been enjoying it, would you consider giving our show a five-star rating or leaving a review? If you are on a platform that allows you to do that, leaving us a review will help other people to discover our content and it could be the difference in them making the connections they need to unlock their greatest potential. More importantly, we want to hear from our fans and would love your feedback so we know how our show is inspiring you to chase your dreams. Also, if you are not getting email alerts when new episodes are released, be sure to sign up today. You can do that by going to heydoyouknow.com and putting your email right there in the episode alerts box. Once again, thank you for joining the People You Should Know podcast. We hope that today's episode has inspired you to connect with others and unlock your greatness. Thanks for listening to the People You Should Know podcast. Do you know somebody amazing? Do you wish everyone knew about them? We can't wait to hear from you. Drop by one of our social pages and send us a message with your nominee to be a featured guest on People You Should Know.